Hello everybody and welcome to What Would The Smart Party Do? This is a bonus episode, thanks very much to our patrons and other supporters who've made this possible. Not too long ago I went to Games Expo, sadly Baz couldn't be with me then, but he is with me now. How are you doing Baz? Sadly, sadly I couldn't be with you, you managed to get loads done without me I bet. <laughs> yeah, I did tons actually. Um, Expo was the, the same as you would expect, so listeners can go back and listen to the, the preview episode and all that happened, and more, I guess. <laughs> so this, we've done a preview, so this is a review from one side of the equation. So did you have a good time at Expo without me, if that's even possible? Well, as much as one can. Obviously, the, the lack of you made it somewhat uh, less enjoyable, but apart from that, I struggled on, yeah. soldiered through. Um, I guess probably one of the, the good things was that I got to talk to lots of people at stalls and stuff like that. Um, but um, we did have some t- slight technical issues as we tend to from time to time. My headphones broke on day minus one, so before, even, before the con had even started, <laughs> my headphones <laughs> fell apart. So that was upsetting. Um, Sabotage. And then the yeah, the Lavalier mic failed me as well, so I've had to get a new one of them since. But uh, at the time, was no help. So I've got a selection of snippets for you that uh, I can play now. Um, I'll let the, the people do the talking rather than talk too much about it myself in advance because otherwise I'll be duplicating. Uh, but just a word to the listeners that it is recorded live and with various um, technical foils that occurred. It does mean some, some sound isn't as good as others, but I'll, I'll put some um, timings in the notes so people can skip ahead if they get bored or try a different section if they want to. Okay, awesome. So who did you get round to seeing on the stalls? Well, first of all, a good friend, Paul Bardowski. Um, who had Tales of the Wendigo, or uh, as I encourage listeners to do if they see him at a convention, call it Tales of the Wendigo, because that's what his wife calls it. Um, that, was, <laughs> that was up for an award. Um, so here's a little bit from him when I caught up with him on his stall. Cool. Hi everybody, we're here at Games Expo, and I'm speaking to Paul Bodarski. How are you doing, Paul? I'm fine, thank you very much, guys. It's lovely to see a, a packed stall you've got here. You've got lots of minions this time. Yes, we have got minions. It's got to the point where without minions we would not be able to you handle the customers. Yeah. Oh, I like that. So as well as your exciting stall, which is just rammed with people, it's been hard to get away with you. You've also been doing some live streaming, is that right? I have indeed. I have just spent the last 15 minutes live streaming on... I can't remember the name of it. It's basically run by the Beasts of War guys. And right. uh, yeah, going through all the various products we have available. Excellent. Was that, was that the start of something beautiful? Do you think there'll be a Twitch thing soon? I, I think vlogging's the future. I think uh, podcasts are uh, yesterday's story, really. <laughs> well, I've got a good face for radio, so podcast suits me, <laughs> I have to say. So um, you're nominated for an award this year as well for one of your products. What's Indeed, yeah. So I'm up for best role-playing game adventure uh, for Three Faces of the Wendigo. Not the Wendigo. Not the, Wen- not, not the Wendigo, no, no, I'm no. I'm sure your wife told me it was something different. Though. Yeah, my wife would do, because apparently that's the Australian way to mispronounce it, yes. <laughs> so, yeah, that's that's three adventures for the Cthulhu hack, or uh, adaptable to any Cthulhu-type game, uh, written by three different authors. Um, and I am up against two Chaosium Call of Cthulhu products. So I'm sure your Cthulhu products far too period to anything. I, I hope so, I hope so. I'll tell Mike Mason that later, I'll see what we actually <laughs> But how's things going generally so far? I mean, it seems like you're quite lively and stuff's happening. I think I think so. I think fr- I think Fridays as the as the first day begins slowly, um, but there's de- there's definite buzz and a definite warmth building up in the building at the moment there, as there people is. people begin to circulate. So uh, not I just got... an emotional warmth either. It's like <laughs> no, actual, it's not. Physical... It's a genuine sweaty, visceral sort of warmth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's a, a nice oral landscape for all this. 
be thankful you weren't here. So, uh, are you getting any special plans for the rest of the weekend? Or is it just sell, sell, sell now? It is, it is sell, sell, sell. Yeah, absolutely. Got, gone are the days of sitting down to GM a game or just you know chew the fat with uh, with friends. We're we're, we're here, here on the stall all weekend through to the end. I've had to create a podcast just so I can speak to you at the weekend. I mean, that, <laughs> it's been a two-year plan that's finally come to fruition, which I get to have some time chatting to you. So uh, what else have you got in the pipeline? Have you got any new writing projects or anything like that? Um, so uh, for Cthulhu Hack, there is a plan to work with Guy Milner to come up with a, uh, uh, a pulp slash magic supplement to extend uh, Cthulhu Hack. Um, and on a personal level, I'm writing more for Simbrum. I wrote for, uh, I wrote for their last uh, Kickstarter for the Monster Codex um, and their most recent Kickstarter for Indurus the Darkest Star. Um, I am writing some more material for that, so I'm busy, busy, busy on the writing front. You must be enjoying that, though. I am, absolutely. It's really nice to have spent two years fan, you know, being the fan for the game and now getting the opportunity to write for it. I believe they are trying to track me down at this very moment <laughs> to uh, to ask me when I'm going to hand over the goods. Right. Um, so I'll not I, give away your location just yet. Thank you, thank you. And I've got Liminal as well uh, with, oh, from Paul Michener, so I've, yeah. I'm contributing to that too. So genuinely... After this event, I should be locking myself in a dark room with a, uh, a word, you know, word processor package open to, to get all that stuff sorted so, out. Amazing. Brilliant stuff. Right. I can see a huge line of customers lined up for Absolutely. you. Absolutely. I best let you go so you can earn your keep. It'll be lovely to talk to you once again. Good to talk to you guys. Yeah, so that was uh, Paul. Always it's good to hear I'm, I'm glad that he actually won. Um, and there was someone else actually not long after that that also was up for an award and due to our uh, glorious support won as well uh, and that was Sam from Sins now on this next bit I'm going to play Baz mm. you're going to hear a lot from his uh, his partner not intentionally she just happens to be stood next to him and speaks a bit louder so, <laughs> so <laughs> it's, it's a double bubble but this is what he had to tell us about his post-apocalyptic supernatural game uh, award winning game no less okay Hi guys, still at UK Games Expo, and now I'm with the author of Sins, a new epic action horror in a dying world robbery game. Hi there, Sam, and tell me all about your stuff. Yeah, so this is Sins. It is a supernatural post-apocalyptic role-playing game wherein players take the roles of nemesaries who are reborn individuals back from the dead with a whole host of superpowers, both unique and terrifying. The world that they inhabit is very grim, very dark. It's very bleak, but it's also full of lots of eldritch and esoteric mysteries. Uh, it's inhabited by the Brood, which are an undead hive mind who can raise the dead and drive mortals insane. The world has very little hope in it but nemesaries offer the opportunity for mankind to rebuild and save themselves from a post-apocalyptic fate or they could damn mankind with tyranny and recklessness the game itself is 357 pages full color illustrated runs on a d6 dice pool it's been in the works now for five years it's been thoroughly play tested uh, we were here last year with one single copy just getting the word out. We kickstarted last September. We were asking for 5,000 and we did 30,000. We've since shipped worldwide to both individuals and certain retailers. And we're just here today, just getting the word out. We've got copies available for sale. Just building up a following and a fan base, answering anyone's questions. We've been shortlisted for the Best New Role-Playing Game of the Year award, but very few people have heard of us. So we're just really spreading the word of what it is we're doing and explaining the game to people. Uh, today we have the core rulebook available, some variant covers from the Kickstarter which we only pick up this weekend at the Games Expo, 
uh, and we also have Dead City, which is a prequel adventure wherein players take the roles of five unfortunate individuals caught just before the apocalypse, and the game is a standard see-how-long-you-can-survive kind of affair. It lasts around three to five hours, depending on how competent your playgroup is, and you can play as five pre-made characters, and if you enjoy it at the end, there's a scenario to take the characters from the pre-made adventure and carry them over into the post-apocalypse. Keeping everything flowing, we've been praised for our art design and art direction on the project. It's a very good-looking book, if I do say so myself. <laughs> so it's got, it's got a certain style to it. It's, it's almost not quite manga, but it's got a certain... It's got a certain like an Eastern kind of flavour to it. Maybe it's definitely got like a certain cartoonish look to it. Yeah. But it's also very elegant, very refined. We've done the book primarily in black and white. There's the the red and white finish, which we're sort of making our iconic look for the project. Uh, we're driving the game forward in a very stylistic manner, and just we think that we're doing something that's really integral to the future of role playing and the way that role playing games sort of like evolve and develop. Just making a nice looking game that's fluid, fast, and cinematic, and ultimately fun to play. Sure. And uh, in terms of an arc, are you, you sort of mentioned there that you can either damn mankind or save it. And is that yeah. kind of down to the player group to decide which angle they want to take? Yeah, yeah, that's definitely down to the players how they choose to use their powers. Uh, Sins is a game about morality, choice, and ethics. Uh, the best example of how the mechanics feed back into the narrative is that Nemissaries have a whole wealth of powers at their disposal, the abilities to manipulate their own bones, blood, shapeshift, and then at higher levels of power even manipulate time and space itself. It's all very cinematic, but all these powers uh, rely on a resource called Anima, which is kind of like mana, I guess, in, in other games. Uh, but the way that you get anima back in Sims is by making humans experience emotions. So everything you do in the world has to have an effect on people for better or worse right. for you be able to have the energy to even use your powers so everything that you do feeds back into the mechanics so if you're a player who maybe wanted to expend all your cool powers in a big fight well you better go and make a difference in the world for better or worse afterwards if you want to do that kind of thing regularly right. you'll so find like yourself charge back up again charge back up again yeah. yeah yeah but always keeping the story going always developing yourself and developing the narrative in your playroom so it's just a very cooperative narrative affair. It's very fun to play. It's very engaging for both your mechanics fan and your narrative fan. Sounds excellent. Thank you very much. And have you had much chance to have a look around Expo yourself? Are you kind of chained to the desk here? Uh, what we've been doing is we've been arriving about half an hour before the doors open, setting up our stand really quickly, and then running around and looking at things both before the show begins and then after the show closes. And the general public are escorted out. We look around other exhibitors. That seems to be the thing here today, exhibitors looking around exhibitors before and after the show. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and did you get a chance to go to the RPG designer meet that there was last night? Yes, we did. Yeah, we went to the RPG designer meet up, met some really cool people, uh, chatted to some cool people in the industry. It was a lot of fun. Uh, a few, uh, everyone was really nice. Um, this was very much a bedroom project for several years. We were here last year and that was the first time we really debuted it. Uh, we're here this year post Kickstarter. It's really cool to meet people and be like, oh, back to this and I've, I've played it because this is the first time we've met people who've actually played it outside yeah. of people we already know on playtest. You feel a bit disassociated when you're just like using the internet to talk to definitely, people. Definitely, yeah. It's yeah. really strange to be like, uh, we have a guy coming today who's sending a friend to pick up stuff for him because he lives in Australia and so he's getting stuff shipped from the expo this weekend back over to him 
and it's so strange and mind-blowing to us that people are playing this on the other side of the world. Literally on the other side of the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, it's been great to talk to you. And, uh, Fantastic. Thank good you Good luck for, your for the awards. Hope you, uh, you win something. Thank you. So there's Sam, and congratulations to him on uh, on winning an award. I'm sure it's not all down to us, but I like to think we've played our part, Baz. Well, you're two for two at this point, so, you know, keep going. <laughs> that, that, that's as far as the awards go. Um, oh, okay. Next up... So you haven't been mentioned with... you didn't win anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, spoilers. I mean, we are a bit late now anyway, but... <laughs> Uh, another good uh, good person to speak to was uh, Julia of the Lamentations of the Flame Princess doll. Uh, normally we get to speak to James Raji or get a bit of a chat with him, but he had one of his little helpers with him this time, and she'd not been to the UK before. And uh, I just want, want to point out, I want to wish her all the best, because she's going through a bit of um, a rough illness at the minute, or has been for the last few weeks. So uh, all the best from us, but here's what she had to say about what was on offer at UK Games Expo. Alright, so here I am still at UK Games Expo and I'm here at the Lamentations of the Flame Princess store. And uh, with Julie, is it? Yeah. Hi Julie, how are you doing? Oh, pretty good, how are you? I'm very well. So how's the store doing? What, what's new and exciting with Lamentations these days? I think everything is always like new and exciting. We have new t-shirts and we have uh, new stories. We have fish fuckers. Uh, that's, a, uh, that's an adventure and setting that's uh, set up in a village that like the people have uh, enslaved the fishes as their sex slaves. Right, okay. And that was supposed to be like an April Fool's thing, just in the web stores. But then people got interested in it, and we have it now here. And it was another day in the web store too. And then right. we have Frostbitten and Mutilated by Zach Smith. Yeah. And we have uh, the Esoteric Creature Generator, which was the first thing James ever did. That was in 2008. And right. that's that's the reprinted version of it, yeah, and the most better. looking book as well. Yeah, really nice. Yeah. I mean, obviously, most of your stuff has good production values anyway, yeah. but that looks particularly nice. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. So it's not just a straight reprint in terms of piece of material, but also like efforts going into making it look something yeah. new and exciting. Yeah, because I saw the first one, and that was like that was like pretty amateurish because that was like the first one he did and he didn't have a lot of money to spend on it but now because he has all the all like resources to spend on these things so that's like the screen creature generator with like the art and the stuff that's inside it it's, it's amazing right brilliant. yeah so if someone's new to lamentations will that be a good starting point or you know obviously there's lots of weird and wonderful stuff on the yeah. store here so if someone's new to all this how would they start what would be the best things to kind of get into the best things to get into it if you don't want the weird weirdest stuff would be the soft covers that we offer for free if you buy the uh, rules and magic so it would be the tower the stargazer or god that crawls those are the little tiny uh, soft adventures that you can play like in one session those are like really fast and that's kind of like what lamentation is all about but right. if you want the weirdest things you can get like the monolith from beyond space and time or the scenic dance mouth where you can uh, generate your own story and your own adventure which is going to be different every time Right, okay, yeah. that's interesting. Yeah. So are these are the sort of games you play as well? I'm assuming you might have a... a yeah, I haven't played that much because I don't really have a lot of friends to play with because I'm a, I'm a nerd and not all of my friends are nerds. But, right. like, I played with one of my friends and, like, really uh, kind of, like, browsed through and read those alone. And I would like to play because it's, it's like, for me, it's the most exciting thing, of right. course, yeah. And this is, like, the thing that I would I really, like, want to get into more and play more. Mm. Yeah. So it seems that some of the Lamentations covers that really the, there's a strong female character with a bright red yeah. hair, and it seems apart from the weirdness, there's quite a bit of diversity as well in the yeah. sort of like 
that come is, is that something that you're aiming for do you think that's true or I think that's like that's amazing because like we have I, I think like all the main characters that we have in the books are all like females I'm in one of those too oh very nice yeah I'm in the catalogue like I'm there that's my character oh very nice and I'm gonna be in the uh, new uh, alternative magic system which is Eldritch Cock I'm gonna be in that one too Right. And like it's amazing that all these people, like James, has just like randomly met them and asked like, "Hey, would you be like to be a part of this?" So we're all just like doing this voluntarily, and it's amazing, like empowering, in a way, to see how the artist creates us in characters. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And uh, James seems to be like putting a bit of a pitch out as well to get more rights and stuff. And yeah. Still always looking for new people and yeah. new talent. Is that yeah. Right? Yeah. So is, is there anything in particular that someone need to have or a special? like a back catalogue of particular work or are you really just open to anybody who's got an idea to come and pitch it? I think he's like pretty open to everything at least for someone who is like willing to do our stuff like because we have the weirdness not everyone want, wants to do the super weird stuff Yeah. but we have a new writer who uh, we just kind of like found him online he asked like we were asked we asked like some uh, in G plus we asked like would someone be willing to do stuff for us and a 15-year-old boy said, "Like, okay, we can do. I can do stuff for you." Right. And because uh, some of the most of the stuff that we have is like plus 18, yeah. because the writer is 15, we like like his mom contacted us and asked like if that's okay, and we were like, okay, he can do the stuff in his like own limitations, and it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. So, he right, so you didn't have to contact his parents saying, "Is this okay?" It was like his parents contacted you yeah. saying, yeah. "Can my boy write for him?" Yeah. <laughs> Sent, you know, to get him under contract to write the thing in the first place, but we're not going through the parents for everything he writes. It was just like the right. blank. So once you've got that signature, it's like, okay, you do your own thing now. Yeah. Yeah. And James, like all the writers and illustrations that someone does, like James is not there, like telling him, okay, you need to do this and change that. Like James lets them do what they want, and then he's just okay. He just looks through it and publishes it if that's like, if that's okay. As long as it yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. It's oh, that's cool. Uh, and how do you go about sourcing the art and things like that? Because it's obviously like beautiful production values is a big part of the project. Mm. So are you always looking for new artists as well, or have you kind of yes. got a step? Yeah, right. uh, we have one who is doing like a lot of things that we do. Yannick uh, Bouchard, he was from Ho Montreal. Yeah. Well, we are always looking for new ones. And when we are here in cons, a lot of artists come up to us and are like, "Hey, do you need someone to do stuff for?" you like I could do something but of course with the artists too because we have very graphic stuff so they need to be willing to do the graphic stuff sure. for the limitations we can't just let have just anyone and be like okay you can do like soft stuff for us oh, okay yeah 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 so there seems to be at one stage just kind of like a little bit of um, shall we say controversy around it you still like you hear sort of more or less in the middle of whole one of UK Games Expo all your stuff's yeah. on display it doesn't seem like anybody's too upset by you being here or anything. Yeah. Do you think that's like past now where people just kind of accept like if you like this kind of stuff you come and get it if you don't don't worry about it. Is that Yeah, I think like most people who are in conventions they accept us, but just people online just want to make a big deal out of the some stuff they assume and they're not like uh, uh, researching stuff and researching what we are. Just like okay, there's like stuff going on online and someone like says James Namer says something about us and that's like no one uh, wants to find out really what it is. Yeah, well, the internet's just full of idiots. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's not like idiots. You know. But in person, it seems like certainly everybody's really keen to come and chat to you yeah. and go through the stuff at the stall. Yeah, like no one's complaining about fish fuckers being on the table because we were afraid that we couldn't have that on the table. But it's fine, like no one's coming up to us and being like, okay, you need to take that off. Right, yeah. That's, that sounds good. 
Um, so how are you enjoying Expo yourself? Are you, is this your first time here? Have you been before? Yeah, this is my first time here because I've been working for James for almost a year now. Right. And like all the cons that I've been to are my first times. <laughs> so it's <laughs> right. like really great to be because like this is, I like England a lot. So it's like really nice that I get to be here and meet new people and connect with people like all over the world with like colleagues and the underdogs like myself and that kind of stuff. Right, yeah, yeah. excellent. All right, well, excellent to talk to you. Thanks so much for yeah, your time. Thank you. So yeah, that's, that's quite interesting. One of the things was the, um, excuse my French, ladies and gentlemen, but the fish fuckers game, which was supposed to be an April <laughs> Fool's joke, was um, was somehow like in such demand that they had to print it and sell it at the convention and, and flew through copies of it because it was uh, just that much of a clamouring for it. But uh, yeah, it's good, it's good to see all their weird unfilled stuff all the time. It's something genuinely different that they've got, whether you like that kind of thing or not. It's good to see some variety in the hobby. The Smart Party are raising funds to help with the running costs of the show. We use Patreon, which is kind of like a modern magic item that turns you into a connoisseur of all that is good in gaming. To show your support, just head over to patreon.com slash thesmartparty. You can donate a dollar, a credit, a copper piece, or a fiver per month. It all goes into the portable whole of web hosting costs and helps us look after you every month with new Smart Party content. Patreons get a big thanks from us, some backer-only goodies as and when, and the warm, confident glow of the just and righteous to help you sleep at night. Join the Smart Party at patreon.com today and tell all your friends tomorrow. Cheers! Okay, one of the other good uh, things about Expo Baz, which... uh don't know whether it has been there when you've been previously but they had um, a second hall on this time with the uh, the traders and stuff so okay. they also had a uh, part of the second hall where all the card games were being played it was like a little bazaar it mm-hmm. was all the little independents and um, you know just like a, a warren of little game stalls going on with all kinds of exciting stuff in there so that was really interesting to dig through mm-hmm. have you heard of Jason Statham's Great Vacation yeah, you've mentioned big vacation, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Good friend of the show, Rich, is an advocate for this bad boy, I believe. Yes, indeed, he loved it. Um, I'm not going into too much detail about it. You can look it up on the internet if you want, listeners. And it also has the Honey Heist. They had that game there yeah. as well, which is uh, written on a T-shirt. Which is about bears going to a convention trying to boost some honey, which was, <laughs> which was interesting. Um, but this all came from a group of about four different um, producers who got together a bit like the collective endeavour back in the day, all independents, um, best of in Scotland for, for the most part, I think, uh, and they clubbed together to buy a stall so they could support each other and, and get some stuff going. So have you heard of the Spire as well? That's one of the new and yeah. interesting games out. No, I, I, all I know is it's new and it's interesting. Did you get to speak to the guys behind that? Yeah, I ended up speaking to uh, Mary, who was the producer, I think, of the game, mm-hmm. uh, and she told me about the Spire and some of the other stuff they had on offer. Yeah, exactly. So we've, we've not we've not existed for very long. This is the first event that we've done together. We're really keen to see how this develops, but we don't know yet. I mean, if at the end of the weekend we all hate each other, it might all fall apart, but I don't think that's uh, likely to happen. <laughs> Touch wood, so far, we all seem like we've... Time to get over it again before the next yeah, exactly. But a lot of this is just about, you know, we, we've all run small Kickstarters. There's been a huge amount of... Yeah. We all know this with this explosion in the um, in the crowdfunding space, right? Which has enabled all sorts of small creators to do the kinds of things that ten years ago just weren't possible in the industry. But there hasn't been the same kind of accessibility for cons and for events where we could actually get out, get FaceTime with the people that buy our games and play our games. So this is just a, one of hopefully many ways that we're going to be able to get to do that. No, 
That sounds amazing. So Thank you. you're involved in the Spire, I believe. Yeah, that's right. So you want to tell us a little bit about that? So I'm part of, uh, the company that I'm part of is Rowan, Rook and Dakard, um, which uh, we've just played Spire, the RPG. Uh, we kickstarted that last year. It did quite well. And we have, as of, I think, eight days ago, we have started to sell the physical copies on our site and via a couple of distributors. Um, Spire is a, it's a, it's a relatively rules-like D10 system. Um, it is a game about rebellion and a game about insurrection. Um, you play Dark Elf, Freedom Fighters, a small cell, um, living in a miles-high tower city that was colonised by um, alien, unfeeling high elves about 200 years ago. And the whole idea is you are playing, you, you're playing very much the, um, the underdog. Right. You are not going to succeed at everything. You're not going to win everything back. But your goal is eventually to lead to, to create the situation that leads to the overthrow of the government. Right, so there's a definite arc for the, the game to play with a, a conclusion at some point. You, yeah, usually it's riots or genocide with, with discovery, with conclusion. Right. Um, but the way it's the, not your fault, it's the players, obviously. Exactly. But the way that the advancement mechanic works is if you create a, a change in the city that favours your cause, then you get to, then you get more powerful. So the idea is that as your cell becomes more impactful, gets more stuff done, you personally, your character, uh, gains access to more power as well. Right. So everything is driving towards changing the city, doing something meaningful, bringing things down. Right. But all of your choices are limited because you're oppressed. Right. So, so it's not like an underclass of yeah, the exactly. High elves control pretty much everything, right. um, and dark elves really don't, and you believe very strongly that that's, you know, not that how the world ought to be. <laughs> and and crucially, historically, you're, talk, you're living in a place that was your ancestral home, that belongs to your, that, that belongs to your people, but now doesn't. So there's something, um, yeah, there's something very interesting to play with there about how far you're willing to go. As an, you, you are playing extremists. Um, most people wouldn't do the sorts of things that you're doing. How far you're willing to push that, and how comfortable you're, how comfortable you are with treating people as means to an end, in order to leave something behind. Because it won't be you that sees Spire liberated; it'll be the generation after, or the generation after. Um, it's kind of playing in that moment. Yeah, hoping that your name will live on. Exactly. People tell them, "Oh, brilliant." Um, yeah. So what else have you got going on here at the store? So, um, from Ramrock and Deckard, we've got um, an enormous stack of one-page RPGs, which includes Honey Heist, a game in which you play criminal bears, trying to knock over Honeycon 2018. Um, also, Jason Statham's Big Vacation, uh, Giant Goddamn Robots, uh, The Witch is Dead, various others. Um, and also Goblin Quest, a game in which you play five goblins in sequence, not in parallel, trying to do a fairly basic task like throwing breakfast. Uh, usually, you all die. Um, it's a delightful thing. also includes hacks like Sean Bean, West, where you play five Sean Beans trying to survive to the end of the film. You get the idea. Um, then, in addition to that, we have um, Pigsmoke, which is a game in which you play uh, academics attempting to, attempting to kind of pursue tenure and manage burnout and also deal with things like demonic incursions and magical grad students. Um, it's a lovely little game as Powered by the Apocalypse. Then we have Legacy Life Among the Ruins, written by our friend James here. Um, he this is a game about what happens after the apocalypse, not just in terms of the immediate survival, but how are you going to rebuild? Right. So looking at generations of a family or a generation of an organisation working to recreate a world. We have Rhapsody of Blood, which is working on a similar theme. I'm looking at James to make sure I'm getting this right, yep. um, which is slightly kind of Castlevania-ish. Once a generation, the castle arrives. 
the castle arrives and you must send people in to try and effectively defeat Dracula. Uh, so transmission first is James's uh, one-page RPG, so he's collected 12 of his works and he's made them into a book. We've just got pieces of paper. James, actually a professional, has turned it into a book. He's not understanding the one-page thing, is he? <laughs> It's kind of, well, I think each of them is one page, but he's, he's, he's you know, commissioned artists and done professional things. Right, okay, you know, it's showing so off. Exactly. Um, and also Weave, which is a game about uh, tailor magicians kind of going out into the world. So doing something, doing something interesting and different. And then, uh, so this is Becky. She's of Carmada, yes. Pig Smoke is Certain Death. So Seven Wonders, which is um, seven short story games written by creators who might not otherwise have been published. Um, and Lovecraft Death, which is an absolutely lovely GM-less game uh, in which you sit down as a as a group um, and you the game is single protagonist um, and if one person has come into contact with the horrendous cosmic horror and you build a mystery um, around the table. No one knows what the actual secret is until the final scene of the game. Everyone's building up their own ideas about what the mythos could be and how it might work. It plays out really, really beautifully. You can play it with small, small groups of people as well. Um, we also have t-shirts for Lovecraft Desk, t-shirts for Honey Heist because wearable technology is a good thing. Um, and then Bear Essentials, continuing the bear theme, which is five, uh, 22 bear-themed antagonists for a Pathfinder campaign. Um, which is what Papa's been missing for all this time. Exactly. Too many orcs, too many goblins, what you really want are different sorts of bears. Includes the bear witch, which is one of my favourite gags, um, probably on the entire store. And then, yeah, Plague of, Plague of Storms, which is a uh, Dungeon World campaign about the coming of a magical storm that gives some people, but not others, great power, and how you play with that. That is the currently the, the spread of the stuff that we're selling. So you can see it's quite a diverse lot, quite a diverse crowd. Yeah, brilliant. Uh, lots of stuff that's kick-started well, other, but yeah. And it's, we're staffed entirely by people who've created the games. Um, so if you want to... Yeah, if people want to come and talk to someone about what they've done and hear people get ridiculously excited about it, we are uh, entirely down for that. So we are still kind of working on Spire. So on Thursday, we this, this last Thursday just gone, we brought out the third of our adventures for Spire, which is a campaign frame, it's pay what you want. Um, that's Kings of Silver, which takes place in the... Um, in the, I guess, the high society kind of part of the city, um, we uh, we give the players a dossier of newspaper clippings um, in character, which details some of the antics of the four main antagonists in that campaign. Um, then you give them a casino for them to run as they like, um, and then the, the way the game plays out is very much dependent on what the players and the GM are interested in. So we're doing. It's not a traditional sort of module in the sense that players start here and go through this series of scenes. It's meant to be a set of tools to enable GMs to do a much more improvisational back and forth kind of approach and also to minimise planning because Grant doesn't like planning at all. Um, so, so he's not in charge of the store with that, that's what he's saying. He's in charge of selling but not spreadsheets. <laughs> um, so having just brought that out, we've got one more source book from First Fire and one more one more book from the campaign. Uh, both should be coming out in the next couple of months. After that, it depends how well Spire goes. If people want more things from Spire, then we're going to try and see how we can expand that world out. And if they don't, we've got another big project that's currently sitting on the back burner waiting for us to be done with the current Kickstarter. So, yeah, yeah. Yep, so great to see those guys. Um, it's good to see burgeoning talent, I think. And if people can help each other out and get games produced, that's all to the good, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Who's next?
Well, um, Modifius, I managed to get hold of Chris Birch. Uh, I've heard it he all the spangly <laughs> stuff, yeah. Well, I, I, I keep saying Mephidius, and I, I've never been able to shake it. Uh, every time, you must hear that all the time. Mephidius, right? No, I'm worried. It took me years. Yeah, I'm worried I've got it the wrong way around. <laughs> <laughs> Mo- Modif- Modifius. Yes, that's correct. Good. Yeah, that, that's the one. The, the, the little bit I was upset about is I didn't get to catch the free legging guys, some of the guys from Sweden who do tell yeah. some loop and all that were there as well. Uh, and unfortunately, due to everything that was happening, it was impossible to get there and get their time. But. Here's what Chris had to say about all these lovely spangly merch they had when he was there. Hi everyone, still here at UK Games X1, the final day, and I'm here with Chris from the Diffus Games. How are you? Hello, alright, not too bad. How's it been for software for you? Uh, doing Great. well? Quick yeah, trade. I mean, uh, yeah, busy. I mean, we've been mobbed, demoing Fallout and uh, Comfy Panda, which goes on Kickstarter on uh, June 12th. Right, so, um, a lot of interest been, in that then? Yeah, I mean, it's been fantastic, like a mixture of grown-ups, kids, families, the whole works. I mean, it, we call it a geek mum and dad game, so it's right. a great gaming group game. It's also the sort of thing you can play with your folks or your kids, so it really crosses over. Yeah, yeah. It's, it plays in, like, ten minutes. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Uh, so what else have the has got up and coming? Well, uh, I mean, apart from <laughs> Fallout's coming in the summer, Comfy Panda's coming, obviously, uh, uh, later in the year. We've just started adding some new products. So we've got Frag Seas, uh, the Frag Empire game line, oh, yeah. uh, Frag Kingdom, Frag Eternum, so like new whole world settings. Legacy, Life Among the Ruins, which is um, kind of based off the uh, Apocalypse World engine. So you basically run a, uh, a generation, several generations of a family or organization through the apocalypse. Right, just, is, is this one that's kind of a rebuilding thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thing, yeah. But you choose the type of apocalypse. It could be, you know, you're all stuck on a space station, a massive space station, and things are going wrong, or it's classic, you know, Mad Max type of Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. We've got new Star Trek books, Command Division, Beta Division, uh, Base Quadrants, uh, the Borg, uh, the Borg um, collective miniatures, and. Uh, an RPG awaiting generic characters. So, yeah, it's been a really fantastic new stuff. Uh, Ian Schofield's Ravage board game we've got now as well, which is a really fun game where you're playing orcs running around the dungeon, beating the crap out of monsters to get teeth. Right, gotcha. Teeth pays for, right? yeah, yeah. for stuff. So, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, good. So, I mean, your store looks really colourful. Right? Has this been the kind of like, have you? Have you Purposely chose the things that like are actually popular. It's just a happy coincidence that you've got it's all these just different brands. All great and artwork. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's obviously we we're quite fussy about the artwork. We want stuff to look great. We you know we want great design, and um, and and this is you know this is a fraction of what we've got now. I mean, we've actually a lot of our other books are on Games Quest as well on their stands because we just physically couldn't fit everything on here. So it's all the best sellers and, you know, vibrant-looking stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. all that is great. Yeah. Uh, and you've been working quite uh, well with uh, Free Liga recently with all those sort of Swedish games. Yes, the... yeah, yeah. Well, they've got Crusader Kings coming. Uh, it's on Kickstarter now. That's right. Uh, obviously, the new um, Tale from the Loop, um, our friends, the Machines and other mysteries. So we did a... Steve in our office wrote the uh, Norfolk... Uh, right. Loop, which gotcha. is you know based very very yeah. kind of classic, you know Quasimass style, MOD old base, nice. you know things yeah, yeah, go yeah. wrong. He's, he's from the Norfolk area, so he knew it intimately. Yeah, right, the whole Riviera. 
Yeah, I thought it was quite interesting. I've played sales with it quite a bit, and uh, I generally run it in the Swedish one because it just yeah. feels okay. a little bit different and cool compared to even American sure, sure, whatever. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, yeah, when I heard they were doing like a British league, I thought, well, yeah. I think it's quintessentially the sort of thing that I should be running. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I just picked that up the other day, actually. And then another one is City of the Mist, which is also a very, looks like a graphic novel. Uh, you're playing kind of ancient gods, people with powers in a, in a very sort of noir style city setting. Very right. investigative and exploring mysteries, ancient mysteries and things. So. Cool. Yeah. So do you actually get a chance to play in a game? Seems like you're yeah, super I do, busy yeah. I mean, I play a lot of board games. Um, uh, my group, we were running the Conan role-playing game until recently. We did a whole massive Beast Chronicles campaign. Uh, we've been starting Star Trek. So, and we flipped between that and just playing fun board games. So. Right, cool. Yeah. And do you ever get a chance to look around the expo itself? Or is this yeah, I do. Like... I'm, I'm making, uh, I try and make a point to go around all the small stores, like looking for little odds, uh, little tiny games, little gems and, and, and up-and-coming stuff. Yeah. And, you know, you find all sorts of cool things. So it's good. I've found a, spotted a couple of stuff already. Yeah, yeah, it's nice. Eh? I like they've got like, uh, an indie RPG stand up there as well. It's like some yeah. guys have got together and yeah, yeah. grouped together and get a stall. So that's nice to see as well. So the big guys like yourself have kind of got the little guys. So yeah, yeah. grouping together so they can come out yeah. a big convention and get something going, yeah. which is always nice to see. Yeah, yeah. So has Expo been good to you? Is it always a. Yeah, it's been great. Job? I mean, we're in a beautiful spot here. You know, we've done done really well over the weekend. So it's, um, it's always an investment, though. You want to get the team together. It's nice to all bring all our crew together. Who, I mean, a lot of our. Half our team, full-time team, are not working in the office uh, around right. the country. So it's nice to bring people together. Just a meet to speak yeah, face to face. For the first time, come up and get my ideas as you do. You know, talk about stuff over dinner and beers. <laughs> and yeah. Try try new games together. So um, yeah, it's been really fun. So it's very much you know a chance to see people, do interviews check out new games so it's, it's not just about the sales it's a lot more than it's, that yeah networking and just meeting people and all yeah, the rest yeah, of it yeah. goes with it I think it is, it's not quite like US Gen Con standards or anything like that but I think Expo is getting bigger every year isn't it it's just getting more and more well, people it's, and yeah, it's just I mean, more it's, diverse uh, like families and all that yeah yeah there. yeah I mean I'd say it's you know it's at least a quarter to a third the size of Gen Con mm. pushing that now with the just sheer volume of stuff that's going on yeah. so it's really good it's a good job there's a few more holes in there and yeah, NEC, yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a feeling they'll be filling the NEC, NEC before you know it. So, Brilliant. Yeah. It's been great to talk to you. Thanks yeah, thanks. Cheers. Cheers. All right. Cheers. Cool. And that's it for all my uh, my trade hall stuff, Baz. Um, really? I did get some other bits and pieces around the place, but unfortunately the sound was uh, even poorer than what you've already witnessed. So, uh, Okay. No, but listen, that, that's really good, though. I mean, the sales hall is always going to be a noisy place because they sell a lot of stuff there, don't they? But um, wh what else was going on around the venue, mate? Yeah, it was pretty crazy. I think in the trade hall they said that the Friday was the same as Saturday last year to give you cool. an idea of how, how it wow. scaled up. But One of the things they had uh, that was different for role-playing, which both our listeners will be interested in, was a games-on-demand thing. Um, so that was good to a degree, mm. but it wasn't fully games-on-demand. You had to buy tickets in advance for specific slots, which I found a little bit disappointing. Right. I'd like to be able to buy generic games-on-demand slots and then on the hour or every two hours when it happens you should just be able to turn up and see if you can get a game but I think due to the way the ticketing system worked they meant they had to have specific tickets for specific slots which just made it a little bit awkward Yeah. Um, and if you decided you couldn't make it or whatever, you kind of had to go back and swap it for a different time slot and stuff like that so that, that, was, that was a little bit that's something to work on for next year if you can sort it out I think but mm -hmm. it's good to have two hour punchy games you can just go down and, and grab one and do something when you haven't got the full four hours or you're not quite sure about booking in advance or whatever it's good to have that 
instantly available RPG option, I think. Uh, and I chatted to uh, uh, Lloyd Guyon, who also works for Modifius, I think, um, in his spare time. But in this in this guy's he was running with some great enthusiasm, I have to point out, the Games On Demand <laughs> section. So uh, That'll get you a long way. <laughs> brace, yeah, brace yourself and uh, get a load of this. Hi everybody, I'm Sally at Games Expo, uh, and I'm now talking to Lloyd Guyon, who's doing Games On Demand and, in fact, RPG Room Captain. Is that right? Uh, yes, that is exactly right. I am the coordinator of Games On Demand, where we're running two hour slots every, hour, every two hours. Okay, so is this something that you decided to do just... By yourself, have you got a, a gang of helpful volunteers? What, what? How did it come about, basically? Well, the truth is, how it came about was that I once ran a game of Conan for John Don, and John Don thought, "Hey, I have a really hilarious idea. Why don't you come and run games every two hours at UK Games Expo next year?" And I did by myself with no staff for two hours. Well, I died. I imagine you did. Yeah. And I, I don't even remember <laughs> most of that weekend. After that, we sort of had an arrangement. We figured out if I had enough people to help me out and some GMs who could drop in and drop out. I could organize a room full of games on the man where people could just turn up, ask for a game, play it for two hours, throw them out, throw new ones in, go for it. With staff and breaks, which I think is the new thing we've implemented this year, so I'm not killing people. It's, it's actually looking so far so good. So the gyms are a lot happier to get a break. Who, who knew? That was that was that was look that was a long look that was the wild west of the games on the man years when when I would finish a game and there'd be ten people waiting. I'm like, yo, John, my boy, could you please run another one? I'm really sorry. People just turned up. I don't know what's going on. But now we have structure. We have we have a schedule. We have a list. We have banners. I have actual banners That's this year. Very nice. I didn't have banners. I could not afford banners last year. <laughs> Plus, I have to commend, at the risk of sounding really bad like a plug, that my work at Modifius with customer service has really helped me push forward games on demand as well. Because sure. I've had to deal with customers and the things they want to see and stuff like that. So I'm out what games are popular. So we have them at games on demand. What GMs are popular. So we have them at games on demand. After I buy them a beer or two, I haven't worked out how to actually make them not work without beer but I'll figure that later no I think most gyms are powered by beer I think you're fine so uh, I'm not I'm teetotal well that's that's alright then you're one of the rare breed I think it's a gift I trust me I, I wear, I wear my curse. badge of pride <laughs> mostly a curse so, mo- by, by Saturday I will want to drink Every it's clockwork I imagine you will yeah. so what sort of games are you running at the, uh, the minute I've just played in uh, Black Hole which was Wits own devising but what other games have you got on Alright, um, me by myself, I have, for today, for this year, because I always change the schedule according to what I'm doing, I have Realms of Turnoff, which is Genesis, I have Conan, I have Tales of the Loop, I have Dread, and I believe I also have one more, I have Jason Stratum's Big Vacation. Alright, oh, yeah, I spoke to the guys yesterday about yeah, that. Yeah, the game, it's just a level of silly that if someone really wants to go that silly, I'm happy to dive in there with them. Oh, I also have um, Coriolis as well, because like... Free League, it's amazing, why not? Yeah, absolutely. So, are you going to get a chance yourself to go around and speak to any of the other guys? Like, obviously, the stands here, the Free League guys that come over. I've already done that. You've already done that already? Yeah, I mean, like, we only start at three. I mean, Friday is my free day, but after that, it's 24-7 games on demand. There's customers to take care of. I don't have time to go around. I've got to sort this out first. I've got to earn the hotel room, you know? That's great. It's wonderful. I've got to put some effort in. Yeah. So when you get a chance to relax and play games yourself, what sort of things do you go for? Or do you run games more often? I do a bit of both. I try to run games more often, but most of, when I do want to run games, when I don't want to run games, let me start the sentence again. That came out That's right. I'll edit it. It's fine. Oh, good. I'm glad. You're not going to argue. No. Oh, <laughs> when I do run, when I do play games, it's mostly because I want to see a game with a fun new mechanic that I haven't seen. 
So recently, I took a look at Sins, which like is what's called came through Kickstarter enough. I missed the Kickstarter, but the mechanic was interesting because it's a whole bunch of D6, but difficulty is based on your skill. And I'm like, oh, that's new. I haven't seen that before. I'll try that game out. New interesting mechanics are what I'm mostly interested in. I like lighthearted games. I like my fate. Yeah. I like my Power by Apocalypse world. Mm-hmm. But if the crunch is fun, I don't mind diving into it. Like the Genesis system, which has funky dice that everybody hates, but I think it's amazing. You should just, guys should just buy it and stop complaining about it. And things like Conan, which is 2D20, which I really enjoy because of the way it interacts. Or John Carter, which is incredible. But no one else plays it but me and I hate it. But yeah, I... I like mechanics, and I've always role-played for fun mechanics because I like interacting with the world. Because the role-play part, I'm like, I can get that down. I'm like, it doesn't matter what game I'm playing. But if the mechanic is new and different and exciting, I want to see how that mechanic contributes to the world and the world that I'm working in. It's why I do games on demand, because then I go through a whole bunch of games with different mechanics and show just how different each game can play. Um, For example... The one, my rule number one, I mean, my, you know, what the heck, I'm on this point anyway. My rule number one is that if I see a game, how hard is it for me to jump from one moving carriage to another moving carriage? How many dice rolls and what kind of dice rolls do I need to make to do that? That includes getting on top, looking over, leaping off, possibly punching someone on the way over, and landing on my feet. And that's how I know what I feel about a game. Right. With fate, that's probably a challenge thing where I'm just going to go whoop, whoop, boom. With Pathfinder, I'm not seeing like I'm seeing like three different skills, and hopefully I'm well trained in them. And there's still a two D to a one D twenty roll to hope for the best. It all that's what I I enjoy. I enjoy mechanical fun times, and the cooler the mechanic, the more interested I am in the game. That's very cool. Uh, and the format of games on demand seems to be that it's more two hour shots rather than traditional four hour slot, for example. So, do you find that's, that you get a different style of play? Do people come just trying to try new things more? Whereas I guess with a traditional role-play game, maybe people are trying to target going, I want a game of Cthulhu, or I want a game of this. Whereas games like Demand, people are like, I just want to play whatever, show me something new. Is that the kind of person you get? That's pretty much the audience I'm hoping to attract, people who want to try something new, or who've never tried a role-play game before, or just don't have time. I usually do, I bring on Demand's biggest thing as well, like, if you've never played a role-play game before, and you don't have the time to spend four hours pretending to be an elf, come on over, we'll show you the basics of what you need, and try it out. If you like it, come over again. We're giving the same game again and make it a bit longer. I have always believed that four-hour game slots, with the amount of faff people do, can be cut into two. Yeah. You can eat, like, people are like, well, actually, I'm going to sit here and talk. Let me tell you about my orcs, the family that was killed by humans. Just try something new. So always try something different like that. In a two-hour game, they're like, nope, we don't have time. Let's get the thing done. Let's get it done. Let's go for it. Mm. And it can switch the way people role-play but it can also improve the way they role play because they know they don't have time to just like be doing silly things like going off on a tangent or like the last game I played randomly go dig a hole for two and a half hours while we're trying to solve the plot Right, okay. Don't ask. That sounds suboptimal. (laughs) I was like, why are we doing this? It's been hour eight. Why don't we just leave the room? So I feel that people who really want to try a role playing game the first time they are my main priority. After that, anyone who's just bored must have a good time. Yeah, sounds excellent. Right, I know I'm, I'm holding you up now because one of your gems is waiting to go for to get some food. So I would really like to start this interview. I am dying and I'm running out of things to say. That would be amazing. <laughs> I'm, I am honoured and privileged that the smart party have decided to ask me to do a podcast. I, I don't think my life will go any higher than that. And uh, thank you very much for having me. Um, thank you very much. Good to speak to you. Yeah, I managed, I managed to grab a couple of uh, slots with uh, the guys down there. 
Um, great to see a variety of people and like whole families would turn up en masse to get a game on demand and like seven would be crammed around one table from the little kid who was about eight up to like dad or uncle or whatever so it was cool that that sort of thing was there and that people were interested in role playing games as well as other board games, shenanigans and stuff that was going on so one for the um, probably more cerebral <laughs> I don't know if that's right or not, but the Thinking Man's role-playing uh, event was the UK RPG Designers event that Epistle Richard, as he's known on the forums, ran. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're probably aware there is a Designers event anywhere that happens at Expo, but that's paid for and funded and sponsored by the big boys. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I imagine they had like canapes and stuff and champagne. This was slightly different, um, but due to the generosity of John Dodd and the other Expo organisers, Richard managed to get um, a room booked specifically for UK designers, writers, content creators, uh, and that was quite cool. You know, we, I'm not really a creator in that sense, certainly compared to some of the other game writers and stuff that were there and publishers. But it was good to get everybody together who could be to swap ideas, swap business cards, uh, do a bit of a, an icebreaker, and then um, you know just chat and share. And good to see like a burgeoning industry happening at our very doorstep. I'm here again at Expo and I'm speaking to Epistolary Richard. How are you doing, Rich? I'm really well, thank you. Good, so we've just had a bit of a, a go at the UK Designers Meetup, I guess we call it. <laughs> is, that, is that what it is? UK RPG Designers Meetup, yeah. The, the board gamers have their own sponsored uh, meetup, which uh, they get a bigger room and they get like a. Uh, they get like private invite only thing but I've got to say Expo have been uh, absolutely amazing for us they've given us a whole Arden suite is that I walked in it's all laid out with lots of different things I could not have asked for more wonderful what, what brought about this thing was it just because jealousy of the board gamers was it, or was it something partly, more than that partly yeah <laughs> uh, I mean as I put in the, the email I sent around to people is I did a panel last year and just randomly uh, uh, Ed Jowett and the other guys from Chase Adventures came along and I was like, at the beginning, I was like, uh, who the hell are you guys and why are you bogarting my panel? And uh, they knew because they knew Darren Pierce. And, uh, but they ended up really making it. I was like, and, I, and I realized that it, I wasn't just the only RPG designer who came along to Expo. There were loads of other people out there, but I had no idea how to find them. Right. And so I thought, well, I know some of the board game designers through playtesting and through, network, uh, through the networking events and so forth. And I thought, well... If the board gamers can have one, then maybe it's not so much, well, they have one, therefore we should have one. But if Expo allowed them to have one, then maybe they would help us out with this one. And they and, and basically that was it, is that I wrote an email to, uh, to John and said, this is my idea. Like, would you be willing to, like, could I get a room in some way? And he said, well, who are you going to invite? And I was like, well, I don't really know. I'm going to find out. And up until like Monday or so, he was like, I'm not telling you your room until you tell me who's coming along. <laughs> and so I finally sent him the list and was like, here you go, here's the room and here's this amazing room for you. So that's how it all came about. So it was very much on the back of, uh, of uh, you know, back of just uh, the, the barest inspiration and then a lot of asking people like, who are the UK des- RPG designers and you know, are you, how can I contact them and are you coming to Expo and are you free Friday night and would you like to come along to this and so many of them have done, I think we've had about 40 people which when you think about 40 RPG designers all in a room together is that, well, all I can say is that I hope you know, we get like maybe some friendships uh, like created here, some networking and if other things come out of it then that's just a bonus. 
yeah, are you surprised by the number of people that have come? Or yeah, absolutely. Is yeah. I mean, like basically up until up until two days ago, I thought this was going to be like eighteen people. Yeah. Right. Which uh, would have been absolutely great. I've had no problems with that. Would have been slightly more embarrassing in a room of this size, but. Um, uh, so up until then, that was how many people were confirmed. But you got to remember, this is like the first time out of an, unproven, of an unproven kind of quantity. And hopefully people who've come to it this time will be starting to think of like, well, maybe this might be the tipping point to go, do I go to Expo or not? Right. Because you know, the, the Expo has done, has been a stalwart, in my opinion, in keeping role-playing games a part of this event. Right. As board games have become, and collectible card games have become bigger and bigger, is that they've become, it, it would be very easy to say, right, role-playing games, they're not generating us enough revenue, or it's a missed opportunity cost, yeah. and so we're just kind of sweeping them aside. But they've always maintained, said, listen, role-playing games are, are a part, not only of our sales stand, but also of the, the overall experience that we're going to provide to our customers. And so being able to say, right, we're going more than just a bit of role-playing we're having more than just like role-playing games, but say, here's an extra something that means that if you as a designer can come, that you can meet, maybe connect with a couple of other designers who are going to be your co-designers on your next game, or who are going to write that stretch goal that is going to bring in another £10,000 into your Kickstarter, yeah, yeah. then that's, as I say, that's uh, something that Expo is uniquely positioned to provide, more so than kind of any other... British convention. Right. I mean, Dragon Meat is the, the role-playing game convention, but with only a single day, trying to get an hour out of people's time to come along and it's say, hey, nice. meet new people, it's just going to be, it's just too, I think it's just too much of an ask for. I mean, it would be great if we can do something similar, to, but Expo is just set up that much better for it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I can see other people are circling around waiting to talk to you, so I'll not take up any more of your time just now. Well, thanks a lot for coming down. No problem. See you again. That sounds really cool. That's the one thing that I really wish I'd been able to attend over and above all the other stuff you've mentioned. That sounds like a really good idea of getting people together and making a bit community meetup once a year. Because that certainly happens at Gen Con, um, and that's a big draw for those guys. But obviously that's the other side of the ocean. So the UK community has always been a little bit fractured, and uh, it sounds like that might be the start of something bigger in years to come. Um, yeah, hopefully. I mean... As well, you have people like uh, James Raju came along, so he's not, mm -hmm. you know, technically UK or anything. But I noticed at Expo recently, he was, you know, posting while he was there, saying like, "Come and pitch me your idea, and I will like put a thousand dollars in your hand as an advance, and you sign a contract, <laughs> and then write stuff." So yeah. it's, it's, it's not only is it just a good idea in itself. I think that there's potentially people around who might make things happen for people who want to get a published game or a published product of some sort. Great, Expo sounds like a pretty good do actually, mate. Was there um? Where else did you get up to outside of uh, meeting and greeting? Um, tons. Met a lot of people. Checked out the car gaming. It was good to watch Netrunner and stuff like that without having the stress of playing in a 200-person <laughs> event or whatever it was. So got to catch up with all those guys. Uh, saw some great cosplay. There's Viking demonstrations. There's all the stuff that we've talked about before. Tons and tons of great stuff happening at Expo. I think one of the highlights, certainly for uh, both our listeners who like the uh, older gaming gentleman conversation, was I managed to corner uh, Blythe and deck the dice from the grognoid files in the bar uh, and we did indeed taunt bobbins for some time so um, <laughs> brace yourselves listeners here's 20 minutes of drunken conversation with uh, in a very loud bar with lots of clattering in the background but um, it's all good hashtag content all the same 
So here we are, it's Saturday night. Everybody's feeling a bit fruity. We've had a few beers, we've had lots of games. I'm sat in the bar with Dirk the Dice and Blythe from the Grognard Files. How are you doing, guys? Uh, we're doing good. We're okay. Yeah. yeah. Five points in. What yeah. more can you say? Yeah, yeah. Is that between you or are you. <laughs> Yeah, we share it. We share it. We share it. I wonder why that bite actually strong. Wallach's taken a critical hit. <laughs> right to the beer. So I presume you've run some games or played some games this weekend. How's it been so far? What have you been doing? But let's start with you, uh, Blair. Uh, on Friday night, I ran some Numenera, and uh, three of the players were from Belgium. Which was a bit worrying. I thought they'd come a long way for this rubbish. Right, okay. I was going to say, what's wrong with people from Belgium? Nothing wrong with people from Belgium, but. You're from Belgium they, and you got worried. They, they, no, no, no. They come, they come, I didn't feel like apologising for Brexit. <laughs> uh, I always did. Yeah, I felt like doing that. But um, no, they, they really enjoyed it. Uh, they had a good time. Uh, but in fact, I did a bit of pressure. It was a long journey from Belgium. I thought, I've got to make this good. They seem to enjoy it. So you're um, saying that people from England, you don't try and make it any good? It's only yes. Yeah, right, if you're, okay, if you're from. Nice. The, I, I, the way I work it. If you're from down the road, if you're from Birmingham, it'll be a half-hearted attempt. Right. Scotland, all right, well, right, but, but, but if from the continent, if they're actually over the wall, it's, uh, it's a gold service. It's a gold standard. I love gold that. standard. Hopefully, um, some from Australia will turn it one time and find a Well, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I think I'd probably just run away and hide, hide in the toilet. Um, what else have you done? Uh, played Hero Quest this morning with Ian Cooper, which was absolutely fantastic. Really enjoyed it. Really? Now, have I'm, you played Hero Quest before? No, 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 no. Never played it before. Right, okay. I don't know whether I enjoyed the game system. I mean, Ian Cooper's. That's kind of what I'm Ian, hinting at. Ian yeah. Cooper's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, very, very kind of colourful games master. Lots of. Of colour in it, you, um, you could almost call it a cabaret games master. Almost, yeah. but not cabaret. almost. Yeah. <laughs> I, do, I don't know whether it's game system or whether it was the fact that I played um, a noble woman and Dirk was one of my slaves. <laughs> I don't know whether that. This is spectacular turnaround from <laughs> Yeah, I don't know whether it was that the game or just that relationship in the game where. Was it an unruly slave? I think I saw on Twitter. He yeah. was in the end. He was. Yeah, not at first, but he uh, he was an unruly slave. Uh, Neil Benson was there as well. He was more compliant slave, wasn't he? He was. The yeah. kind of slave I like. <laughs> um, but I, I enjoyed it. I mean, it's a, it's a funny. I suppose it's a funny system to get your head around. A little bit kind of. It's kind of fueled by narrative, isn't it? The whole game is. I'm not sure I'd like to run it. You know, particularly yeah. for people from Belgium. Oh, well, even oh, even different people double from Belgium. Yeah. I'm running Hero Quest. That's like an anxiety <laughs> dream, isn't it? And I uh, played World of Darkness this afternoon, which was, was interesting. Was that a particular flavour of it? Or just generic World of Darkness? It was, it was Ghost Hunters, so it was a kind oh, okay, of yeah. ghost based Witcher. I mean, apart from Cthulhu, uh, I don't, I've never really played a horror role playing game, so that was interesting. But, so, yeah, I quite enjoyed that. You're invested when you're in the Deep Freeze, weren't you? Yeah, yeah, it's one of the ones I never played, but. Um, oh, welcome yeah, to the 90s. Yeah, yeah absolutely, yeah, I was in Deep Freeze. Have you said that 5th edition, uh, I think, vampires out soon? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So. yeah. Well, it's one of those games I wanted to try because whenever I, I Google it, there seems to be so many different editions and. Versions, I think I don't know what I'm doing. I think, what is this? So it was interesting to try it. Yeah, quite enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. How about yourself, Derek? What have you been doing? Uh, well, last night I uh, ran the uh, Just Dread Better Living Through Chemistry game. I think you played that. That's an excellent scenario, as long as you've got a cabaret GM to run it for you. Obviously. <laughs> no, I think the scenario is actually good as well. Yeah, <laughs> but it, it 
was a really good scenario. The uh, system's a bit creaky and it creaked a bit last night. Um, and did you make any modifications to the system? Or I didn't. No, I ran it straight because I think there was an expectation that I was going to run it straight. Right. Um, so I ran it straight. Uh, but I think the third time I'm running it, I'm a bit tired of uh, the system. I think when we did the podcast, we said that it was the first game that we played from the 80s that we think should stay in the 80s. Yeah. Uh, because it's just not enough to it. But then again, it's a great scenario and it was utterly chaotic. There's a few uh, judges who are on Titan um, <laughs> as a result of... Uh, I think I escaped that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, this morning did a Hero Quest game. Uh, just adding to Blythe, it was uh, really rich. What, um, what Ian had done is taken it uh, to uh, the south, to the continent to the south of Galantha. Panatella. Uh, yeah, Panatella. And uh, looking at uh, Corinth and some of the exotic cities that are there. And what was really good about it was that he really painted a rich picture of the cultures there. And it was, it seemed exotic compared with the familiarity of Dragon Pass. Right. And I think one of the interesting things about, they're doing more apparently in upcoming games about the southern continent. It's yeah. one of the, the problems about Galantha is the impenetrability of yes. the existing lore and the fact that you've got a lot of Galanthophiles who know every bit of everything about the northern continents. Yes. So by just going through the side of the sea, you're levelling the playing field for people who don't know quite as much about it and it makes it a bit more accessible in that way as well. Yeah, and I think the uh, idea is, is that uh, supplements will be produced but there'll be enough gaps there for people to invent their own cultures and... Uh, Responses to it, so that's good. I think one of the interesting things are one of the, I think it's third edition Rune Quest or something. They have a bit where it's like you can do your own stuff as well, and they created a map and there's like this little one island or something, or like one like promontory of rock, yeah, yeah. a bit like Greece. And they're like, you can do what you want here, we'll never touch it. Yeah, and then you have this huge globe where they're going to detail everything, you can touch any of that. But like, yeah. if you want to do your own thing, you've got this like patch of land on the bottom, you can probably go, it's like, well, you know, thanks. <laughs> And this afternoon I've been uh, running the uh, Knights Black Agents adventure uh, that I've written, uh, set in the 1984 Miners' Strike. Right, so yeah. really on fingers on the pulse of today's <laughs> young... <laughs> so. well, it's a kind of uh, cross between the professionals and Ken Loach. Right, so again, fingers... <laughs> so, what, what audience did you get for that? I'm interested. Was it like... Wisened veterans like ourselves, <laughs> you get like a more young. It's gaming in black and white, effectively. <laughs> it feels like it should be on a TV with only four channels and maybe three. But you have to push in buttons and get up to do it, kind of thing. But I like the aesthetic. I'm just curious if you got any younger players or who didn't quite know what was happening. Or I, didn't get, I didn't get younger did, players. Did you get any players? I probably should ask that. <laughs> it, strangely, it attracted middle-aged men. Uh, <laughs> of, a, of a northern disposition. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody from Belgium. So. I was not fresher then, that's alright. So yeah. And how did that go to, how do you find gumshoe I, as a system? I, I, I like it for Knights Black Agents because I think that the general abilities uh, really allow you to get on with it. You know, you can there's a lot of inventiveness around the table. Right. Um, I always. This is what I always say about gumshoe. There's less to it than meets the eye, because right. 
I think there's all to it, to be honest. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, if you said there's less than that, then I'm... Yeah. <laughs> I, I think that people are intimidated by the sheer uh, volume of ideas and inventiveness that are contained in Night's Black Agents. But essentially, it's quite simple. Yeah, it's very simple. Oh, very simple, yeah. I'd say. Very simple. But it's all about flavour, it's all about the energy of it. And... Uh, what was good in this? Uh, I've run this. I've run this scenario with more players, and I kept it down to four players. And I think that's the optimum level for Knights Black Agents yeah. because you ele- it, it, there's not enough. There's not as much waiting time between spotlight time. Yeah. So people have their moments to do things, but they're not waiting for their bit to come up. Because essentially, the Gumtu system is about spotlight economy, isn't it? It's about when can you do stuff yeah. in the story. Yeah. Now, that's interesting, because I played a game yesterday, which is... It's still in development, so I can't be too harsh about it. But what, it might have been the way it was sort of... Well, what I found interesting was that uh, there'd been a crash of a spaceship or something, and there was a crowd, so I wanted to speak to some guys. And so I addressed the crowd to kind of get some information. I ended up getting, like, some kids spoke to me. And then someone looked at them funny, so they shut up. So obviously I have to go and speak to this other person, which is like, well, that's fine. But then I had to stop and wait while we were around the table again to find out where else is doing. Yeah, yeah. And then I got to speak to the next person. Like, but I've made a successful role in finding things from crowds as far as in my head. Like, why am I waiting two goals to get to the bit where I get my yeah, spotlight yeah. time and I get the payoff for the thing I've done, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I think that, that it, deals really, it deals with that really well. And I think that it's the only game... It's the only game that deals with thriller chases really well. Alright. You can create really good thriller chases. It steals an idea from uh, James Bond, right? Uh, RPG. That uh, one everybody's got. Yeah, a vintage game um, where you bid for uh, what you're going to invest in your move and then you roll to see who gets advantage, who moves ahead. And you track it, and it works really well. It works really well. You can get that feeling of people closing in on you, people breaking away. Right. You get that thrill of a thrill at night. So. I think that's something I've heard from a lot of uh, the sort of gumshoe system games. Is it tends to be the add-on bits that people are really excited about. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Like I started off trying to play Isotaris, and it turned out a lot of the time I was rolling D6 looking for a four plus. And that's yeah. not a good system for me. And the problem they're trying to solve, like. You'll never fail an investigation. Well, you shouldn't. Like the story shouldn't stop anyway. That's just like bad scenarios or bad games that cause that. So you yeah. kind of invent the system to solve a problem that doesn't exist in a really game properly or right scenario properly, from my point of view. But then as it's advanced, there's extra things that have come in. So when I apply agents, it's stuff like the, the chest. You also got like a heat mechanic or something. Like that. You're, uh, yeah, yeah. It's like it's those extra bits that I think are starting to make Gumshoe appeal more to me than what it was when it started out, which I don't think it was addressing probably didn't exist in my view. And any game that allows you to have a chase through CNA uh, and the shootout in Dulcis, it, it's alright by me. You know. I know what you're saying. <laughs> you need to visit Munich, not only for the beer fest, but they have a CNA still in Munich. I had to like drag my friend halfway back across the road to show him that CNA still existed. It was like going back into the 80s, it was wonderful. <laughs> I yeah. bought some flip-flops as well. I was that excited. <laughs> Just looking at a CNA bag. Yeah, brilliant. And tomorrow morning is the uh, game I'm most anxious about. It's uh, doing the Ring Quest Kickstarter. Uh, 
quick start. Now, why would you be anxious about that? Because you've run through it with a smile party. Yeah. And had a glorious time, and we're giving you lots of constructive feedback. You, you did, you did. But then uh, I downloaded the six character. The six character for the Windquest Quick Start is a shaman who's got a baboon fetch nice. and two zebras. Oh, that's, that's too too many zebras, arguably. Where, where's, where's he got two zebras? Too many patches. You said I need to pen dragons. So I used to all the characters having like about six horses. See, zebras sounds like you could manage that, no problem. So, so have you uh, have you finagled about with the character sheets? And stuff? I'd like to say that I had, but I ran out of time. Right. Yeah. I must admit that this is the first time that I've run uh, games for a convention over a season. I didn't anticipate how much preparation was required. Honestly, I've come to the conclusion that um, RPGs are just a conspiracy to use more printer ink. That is one of the things at conventions when you're running a game. You feel the needs of lots of stuff. Yeah. Lots of paraphernalia. Just, it suddenly makes reason. your game look better. <laughs> yeah, even Regardless if it's not. Regardless of what's in it. Yeah. Even if it's not. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it looks better if you've got stuff. Yeah. 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 Having so things to put on the table yeah. does give you a certain level yeah. of gravitas or whatever. Thanks, thanks like, yeah. coming all the way from Belgium. I've got some stuff. There you go. It was worth it. it, was worth it. I well, spent a fiver in printery. Just like exactly, that. yeah. So yeah, I didn't, uh, I didn't uh, have a chance to look at the characters. I wish I had. And Sunday afternoon, if we fast forward in another twenty-four hours, yeah, I think, uh, I think I'll, I wish I'd have done it even more. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I think, I think you'll get fine. It's easy to gem to worry about stuff and think, what more can I have done to make this game better? Yeah, but, yeah. You know, it's great. I mean, I've, I've moaned a little bit about a couple of games that I played, but everybody else on the table said it was a great game. I thanked the gem profusely. So yeah, it's yeah. probably me being old and grumpy that's like the problem, not the game or anything else. You know. Yeah. So I get much of a chance to look around uh, the trade hall and all the stuff around next door. Do you think of the the event as a whole? Because it's not really a role playing convention. It's more of a gaming event, and role playing is a quite small part of it, really. Well, yesterday, yesterday we went around the trade hall, didn't we? Yeah, we did. Yeah, yeah, it's big. It's big. It's a bit over. The trade hall's a bit overwhelming. I think you go in there thinking, "Oh, look at all this stuff." And I ended up buying Star Trek RPG, which I've been thinking about buying online for a while. So I just bought something that I was probably going to buy online because yeah. it, it's a bit overwhelming. You look at everything and you think, "Where do I start?" Yeah, yeah. Where do I start spending money? <laughs> that much stuff. Even that you've got finite money. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. There's finite money. An infinite number of feels like an infinite number of games. There's only so much you can carry as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you wander around thinking that's nice, but oh, I don't know. That's nice, but I don't know about that. And you've not bought anything yet. I've not bought anything. I bought a cup of tea. That was all I bought. <laughs> I, I went on a hunt, on the hunt for Ian Livingstone, and I can't find him. I know where he is. Where is he? I'll tell you tomorrow. Stay with me, kids. You wear diamonds. I can show you. <laughs> Generally, you've got, you've got to look for a line of people, and then we'll be at the end of that, Simon Brooks. Oh, right, okay. Uh, it's, only, it's not like a massive stall. It's like quite a small stall in the, the second hole, which I found... The second hole's quite interesting. I spent most of the first day going through hole one and got, like, two-thirds of the way through it just by wedding my way from stall to stall to the game. Uh, and then up the floor into hole two, you've got, like... It's like a little bazaar or something, isn't it? It's like lots of small and independent and... 
and a mix of stuff and it'd make a good RPG then you know, I think like, you open this mysterious place full of all kinds of things and weird and wonderful people and then I I didn't have enough courage to go up to uh, Ralph Horsley. Uh, Ralph Horsley does the uh, art for the uh, UK Games Expo cover. Right. But, yeah, yeah. The dragon. He does a lot of magic cards. But I remember when he was a fanzine uh, artist. And I've got examples of Ralph Horsley. Uh, fanzine art from the 1980s. Yeah, yeah. So I'm trying to say I think he's improved a lot. <laughs> yeah, well, he's improved a lot. I'm no art critic. I'll rely yeah. on your expertise in this area. As an art critic, yeah. Yeah. he's improved a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think you have to be an art critic to say that. No, no, really. Tomorrow, I think I'm going to go up and say. I remember you working Drew Crawl. I've still got a coffee. I'm sure he'll love it. I wish mean, <laughs> I had brought it to remind him. <laughs> That's what I thought you were going to say, that you brought a coffee with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wish I had. <laughs> but also at Expo, like the next building up, they've kind of got a comic con type thing on it, a collector con or whatever you call it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, some of the guys nearby here went to it and they love it, but I don't understand what you get out of that because you turn up and there's loads of stores of tat. There's yeah, like. Yeah. Compared to Expo, it's tart as far as I can be honest. Yeah, yeah. There's not a lot of stuff you actually do stuff with. You just buy it to put on the shelf, yeah. really, or that, that kind of thing. Yeah. Or you queue up for ages to get someone to sign a photo. Like, and yeah, you still yeah. be like, third type iron from the left, you know, Star Wars movie from the you know, and that's 20 quid. If you want a good one, like... Cyberman, Doctor Who in 1978. Yeah, there's a lot of that yeah. sort of stuff. But then, chatting to the guys, they're saying most of the actors that go are, like, really nice people. They're happy to, yeah. you know, they just want to chat yeah. to people. And uh, Richie's uh, friend Emma, what she does now is uh, Nemesis from 2008, if you remember that. Yeah, yeah. She loves Nemesis, so she gets artists to draw, and Nemesis will be there. And 99% of the time, they go, you do know I'm not the artist. She's like, no, I know. I've like, never drawn Nemesis in my life. <laughs> like, yeah, no, but I want you to do. So that's the thing. And she's quite happily pays 20 quid every time. You guess it's real this cartoon character from the 1980s that they've never drawn or had anything to do with. Uh, and to be fair, the results that I've seen have been really good. And yeah. I think artists or any guest or somebody you might meet at Expo or wherever, if you're a genuine fan or you bring something back that's like, I remember you from 30 years ago, this sort of stuff, yeah. they're normally quite happy to chat about it. It's yeah, so different yeah. than they probably get a lot of the same things around, I know you from this magic card, can you sign this magic? It's like, yeah, I've done yeah. that a thousand times. Which, if you've got something a little bit different, say, can you do this? It's like, it's a bit of a break from, from the, the junket that you're left to that's, that's one of the good things about uh, Expo, is that it's about games. Yeah. And uh, my son's into comics. You go to a comic con, it's not about comics. It's about all the paraphernalia, the vinyls, the collectible stuff. You can't find any comics. It's very, it's very difficult to <laughs> it's find. It's hard to find one. <laughs> um, so that, that's the thing about Expo. It is about games. And it's... it's all, we were saying earlier, wasn't it? It was like a... It's like a conference at work, but yeah. with stuff like you like doing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, good stuff that you want me to go to. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Have, you, have you had much experience with Expo before? I'm not sure I've seen you here. No, I, I, I've never been to it. I've never been before. I came last year. But it's very, it feels very different this time. I think it's very, it feels very difficult. Yeah, that's right, you can do it. So it's a bit worse. But yeah. <laughs> I've spoiled for him a little bit. But it's I like every kid being now. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's that thing about uh, whether we like it or not, it, uh, there's a community around uh, 
role playing, isn't there? Yeah. And it takes a bit of time to get into that community, but once you're in it, you're in it, aren't you? Yeah. And uh, there's lots of people who want to say hello, want to meet you, want to uh, uh, you know spend time with you. So that's really good. You know, yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, to express more about why I'm a grumpy old man, I will say to the guys earlier on, like, there's half an hour this afternoon where I was supposed to go and sit down and not really do anything or whatever. And people yeah. wouldn't stop coming up saying hello and being nice to me. Yeah, like, yeah. And they were generally just being nice and went to catch yeah, up. Yeah. I was like, I was just in that bit where I'd been on my feet for so long. It's like, can you just, like, not speak to me? <laughs> yeah. But you can't find anywhere because there's so many nice people around. Yeah. They just want to so, talk about this hobby that we all share and all that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you can't be rudging for it. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, let's face it, on Monday we'll go back to our desks and uh, nobody will care about what we've done for the weekend. Oh, exactly, yeah. yeah. You know. And, well, people uh, ask you a question, you try to explain a little bit and they just don't <laughs> get it. No, yeah, yeah, well, that's it, isn't it? You can't spend, say, I spent um, Saturday morning playing uh, Mazarin uh, Noble Sorceress and Chris was one of my slaves. I wonder, well, wonder well, what you could say that, but that, you get a different impression about your What the hell you have been up to? <laughs> <laughs> It'd be a different kind of role play than It would, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Best sparing up on this And on that note, I think we shall leave this, uh, yeah, this hashtag sure. content session. We'll, uh, we'll continue on. I might say something to Patreon later, who knows. Like, but for now, thank you very much for speaking to us. Thank you. And there we have Basil. That, that's that's more or less it for my recordings. Um, it was definitely great to meet up with all the people I did. So thanks to everybody who came and said hello or gave us a bit of a thumbs up for the cast and that kind of stuff. Always great to see, of course, Ian from the Giant Break Games. He's my, like my expo wife when you're not there. And uh, Rich Stokes <laughs> and some of the guys from down south. I mean, there's just too much. There's too much to go into almost. You know, like everybody has a different experience when they go as well. But I just want to kind of reiterate our advice from from the preview, really, to say just get down and give it a go, even if it's only for a day if you can make it, because there's so much going on. You will definitely find something that you like. Yeah, I'm well gelled to be honest. It does sound good, and and when I follow the feeds on uh, Twitter and elsewhere, when I'm sitting at home or you know doing the really busy things that prevented me from going to expo which don't turn out to be that busy at the time <laughs> I know but sitting there thinking oh maybe I'll just get in a car and go oh. <laughs> ne- next year next year I'll start negotiations very very early on and we'll see how we get on <laughs> I think I mean and it is one of those shows if you really wanted to you could bring your kids I mean I don't know if I'll spoil it for you or not but <laughs> <laughs> spoil it for them <laughs> <laughs> it is certainly kid friendly if you uh, as you know yourself you know you've, mm-hmm. you you've been around um and th- th- there seems to be a good effort from people certainly like a family friendly zone in there as well which you know almost i mean i'm not saying it's a crash please don't uh, everybody like go <laughs> running to the expo organize and tell them i've revealed this information but it is a great place if you've got um kids who are interested in a bit of a game there's specific areas for them and that kind of thing as well so it's a, it is a proper good fun family event uh, as well as having the the, the twenty four hour bar in the Hilton, where uh, those of us of a certain age can get together and drink whiskey and solve gaming. Hence this podcast. <laughs> Indeed. Well, we've got quite a lot of content there, Baz. I think uh, that'll be well over our ep- our episode in total. So uh, we'll leave it there for now. And, and a minimum effort from myself. So you know, well done you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, in a way, it's probably good some of the audio didn't make it. Otherwise, God knows how long this will be. But um, <laughs> it's really yeah, well worth it. And uh, hopefully, we'll be back again next year. So um, keep dropping us a pound in the Patreon part if you can, dear listeners, and we'll get you some more of this great content. Cheers, guys. Speak soon. Bye for now. Mm-hmm.